the nerds. This is for the brainiacs. This is what we deserve. Go ahead and play it back. You ain't gonna touch me. You're not gonna do nothing. You are not above me. I bet you wish you was me. I know that I know. What's up, everybody? Great news. We broke the case. It's solved. It's over. We've done it. I can't believe it. it was right before our eyes this whole time. All it took was a little hard digging, some research, and here we are today, able to announce to the world the scandal is over. Thank God. Time's up, Lockboxing. Back to the micros. I'm all in. <laughs> the triple range merge! It's beautiful. I came! Your play, Lockboxing. I can't call this. Can't you? He's a total maniac, but I've only got a flush draw. You must go deeper. The only thing I beat is another draw. It's a shame you've used up your one time, yeah? How can you hope to beat me when you can't even beat the micros? Don't move until you see it. Wait a second. Don't move until you see it. There are a ton of other draws out there. Let's see. 300,000 divided by $50. I'm going to need 6,000 titties. What if this isn't the triple range merge? The merge is mine. What if it's just a shitty desperation bluff disguised as a triple range merge? There is no spoon. What's the matter, luck boxing? Strife and haunting at your tongue? Say something. Call. What a donkey! You really are the worst player in the world. You're calling me with just a jack high flush draw? Nope. I'm calling you with the best hand. You were right about me being a luck box. Wrong about me not beating the micros. I'm up about 3.30. Good game. A jack-eye call, did we really see that? That's amazing. That's one of the best calls I've ever seen. Completely owned. <laughs> okay, all jokes aside, uh, shout out to the Micros, man. Oh, one of the man. best series that's ever been done in the poker content space. They knew, man. This is like the Simpsons thing <laughs> where they're just able to predict the future. Like maybe Robbie was on the triple range merge. Yeah, right. Exactly. Or, or Garrett. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't even know who's who in this scenario. <laughs> all I know is that it's about time we have a little bit of fun with this. It's been going on for far too long. So uh, big shout out to the Micros. Uh, obviously, we're, we're mostly... Kidding about this. We haven't cracked anything. If anything, I think we know less now than we did before. Um, but we're going to try to get to the bottom of that today. So we have a great show ahead of you guys or ahead uh, for you guys today. Um, we are going to obviously be updating uh, everything that's happening in the world of cheating, including an unfortunate fallout with uh, somebody that I have a lot of respect for uh, outside of this scandal, Ian O'Hara, uh, who seems to have run into some issues with some back... Uh, previous backing uh, we're also going to obviously update everything that is going on with the hustler um, jack four hand scandal uh, as well as welcome a special guest uh, man at madden later on in the show uh, he'll be joining us to give us his insight uh, and expertise as far as rfid technology goes maybe debunk some of the common theories that are out there as far as like how this cheating could have occurred, as well as maybe get a little bit of credence to uh, the vulnerabilities that do exist in the secure level or at the, at the security level. Um, before we get started though, I want to obviously give a huge shout out to our week sponsor, uh, 
Faded Spade cards. Our sponsor this week is the Faded Spade brand. Their new world-class 3.0 poker playing cards are now available, and viewers can use code ONLYFRIENDS for 15% off their order at FadedSpade.com. Let's get into it. Uh, today marks the end of the MLB season. Lock you made it through. On. You won your bet. I won my bet. All More I did, importantly. All I had to do is win 60 games. Now, why do you always got to fucking Just, be right there to cut people man. down whenever we're talking about the Steelers you or the know? Pirates? More or, importantly, my boy Judge. Okay, we'll get the judge. Yeah, it's like, Jesus, we'll can, 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 can I run the show? Like, you know, it's like he wasn't even here for pre-production. Okay, <laughs> so you won your bet. I did win my bet. All I had to do was win 60 games. Not very hard to do. Uh, and they only won 60 games. They so, won 61. Okay. I believe... Not even uh, a sweat. I believe Norman lost his... Norman Chad lost his bet. Though. Yeah. I think he needed over 62 and a half. Yeah. So uh, even if they win today... They're only going to get the 62. You take a look at the chat. I see the fucking chat. <laughs> Let's go, Bucks. Stinks. 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 Pete stinks. Pete stinks. Uh, to, to be fair, yeah, Pete yeah. does stink. They do stink. I mean, they lost 100 games this year, but there's hope. There's so much hope. Man. There's oh, what? man, there's hope. I'm telling you. Yeah, there's fucking hope for the Yankees to get them in listen, two years. Listen. Right. <laughs> we got O'Neal Cruz. He's going to be... One of the best players in the game. Yes, for that's sure. right. And he's going to be in pinstripes within two to three years. No, they have control for four years. All right, fine, four right. years. I mean, we got these young guys. Jack Swinski, he, he comes up. He plays half a year. He, he hits 20 home runs. That's pretty strong. Like, yeah. You right? get pitched to a lot, though, when you're a 60-win team. Mm -hmm. you, know, you don't Maybe. really get pitched around all that often. Well, you know, they can't pitch around everybody. I mean, we got Brian, <laughs> <laughs> we got Brian Reynolds. Brian Reynolds, he's an all-star caliber player, right? We got some good... We got uh, guys coming up that are pitching you, 101 miles an bro, hour. Bro, you just said you can't pitch around everybody on a 60-win <laughs> team. Listen. I mean, they're not the Yankees of 1996, oh, you know? Right, bold prediction. Next year, they are they are a 500-win team. Wow. 500, wow. 500 team. Wow. Yep. No, come on, they play, they play I'll close to... I'll bet it on the tab. They, they play close to 500. <laughs> I'm not going to say they're going to do it, but they, they're definitely going to be hovering around 500 next year. That, that's my prediction. Uh, uh, I'll let Conrad bet it on the tab. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to give I'm not going to do that because I'm giving I'm, you one and a half to one. I'm just going to bet over when the over is 65 next year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. You can only well, bet like I bet Conrad. Bags. We can't just print. All right, so now we'll give Conrad his moment of glory. Aaron Judd yesterday... Well, Aaron, Aaron Judge. Judge. Sorry. Uh, Aaron Judd. <laughs> <laughs> broke the, the AL single season home run record, not the MLB single season home run record, which we all know that Barry Bonds right. holds. Which has an asterisk next to wit. Yeah. yeah, you're right. This guy's mm -hmm. for sure clean. Yep. Uh, he wasn't <laughs> built in a fucking lab or anything. <laughs> okay, so he broke the home run record. He hit 62. He actually seems to have had a sweat at the Triple Crown but uh, not a strong enough one for them to play him today yeah. as he's sitting out the final game of the season. Uh, wh what would you like to say about your boy who broke a former Yankees record, Roger Maris? I'm, um, I'm happy for him. You don't know shit about the history of the, of the Yankees, do you? Like, you're like, Roger who? No, I know Roger Maris. Jolly Roger. Yeah. yeah. But like, you know, it's pretty awesome because he, he only had two games left to do it. He played 55 straight games to, um, to do this, and to do it is pretty cool. It was a uh, it was a no doubter. Yeah, it definitely was. Watch the guy. Watch the guy fall into the into the uh, off the thing. You see? Wow! <laughs> he was really going for it. 
He just tumbled out. Where did he go? <laughs> Where did he go? Yeah, baffle, baffle. I, what I'm, I don't, what I don't get. Sorry, I, I'll, I'll let you speak in a second. But I, I, I don't get the hype. It's a secondary record, right? It's just like it's, it has so many qualifiers around it. It's like he broke the AL single season home run record. Like, whatever. I don't know, man. Oh my I think God. he wouldn't be saying listen, that. I think, I think it's huge. No, it, no, you're right, It's definitely a big deal. First of all, like. The, the record stood for so long, right? And then it did get broken when we had all the... I mean, obviously, these guys were cheating. These guys were ro roided out of their minds. And that's why you saw them, all these home runs hit. And now it's different. People don't hit home runs like... People don't hit 60 home runs anymore. So it's... it's like, I think Mike Trout is second uh, in the AL in home runs. He has 39. Yeah. Right, so it's 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 an outlier season, and he did it on top of you know almost winning the triple crown. Like his batting average, which home run hitters don't have a batting average anymore. He's he's batting three eleven. So like the whole season, everything combined, I think is what I think uh, the same made, was true though during the maybe, uh, maybe not for McGuire was. and and Sosa so much, but like more so Sosa and Bonds. Uh, I think they were sweating the triple crown every year that they, they push this record to. I, I, I'm not no, trying right. to... Oh, of course. No, I'm not Bonds. trying to poo-poo his no, achievement. For sure, for sure Bonds, right. Uh, and I agree with what you're saying, but mm -hmm. I, I will say that I was of the impression that uh, we were going to see the home, flate, uh, home run rate inflate moving forward post-steroid era. Not, not immediately post, but like as the game develops over the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years, mm -hmm. I would assume 50 to be a more regular number. And it hasn't happened, but we've also seen the the top out speed of the majority of the pitchers in like the average fastball has gone up yes right so right. i think we're going to constantly see this like until there's an equilibrium that's reached at some point they're not going to be able to throw any harder mm -hmm. and hitters are going to get better yeah right so i think at some point we'll see these power numbers continue to increase to the point where this may not be the achievement that we thought it was go ahead conrad not for nothing have you ever seen aaron judge's mom and dad no all right, well, like, his mom is, like, half the size of him, mm -hmm. and his dad's, like, a head shorter than him. Okay. Where the fuck did this guy come from, I really? told you, he's, he's, <laughs> he's built in a fucking lab. Like, 100%, he's crafted out of some sort of space-age shit that we don't know about. No, but you can also have, like, just a, a certain gene that just, like, will make you, you know, yeah. a giant. <laughs> yeah, it's called being an alien. Yeah. Brandon has that. Landon, <laughs> Landon ate a small child uh, in the womb. Yeah, he did. Okay, Everybody's telling me Judge is adopted. Oh, of course he is. <laughs> Not to bring. Uh, he's he's adopted. Is he Dominican? No, he was fucking <laughs> put on Earth by a spaceship. Uh, speaking of accolades, the Pirates do have. Oh my a, god! A, they have a real <laughs> chance. Listen, you've real, got the point where I'm annoyed. They, they have a real chance at. Um, the number one draft pick? No, definitely that. <laughs> but um, uh, Key Brian Hayes winning the uh, gold glove at third base. Oh, okay. Um, which he should win it because he has the best stats. The problem is Nolan Arenado has never not won it. Mm. And he's, his stats are, are That's the way baseball goes. Right, yeah. and that's the thing. I, I feel like with those kind of awards where it's like the you know, media, it's, it's voting, right? So like... I think name recognition probably 
Yeah, uh, yeah, with with golden gloves. That's the case. But yeah. he's good. I'm just laughing at the, the fact that he's adopted. <laughs> <laughs> and Conrad was making a point about his parents, and then someone says, "How could you think those are his biological parents? <laughs> <laughs> he's clearly half black." Oh my God, they're both white. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> his dad could honestly uh, be like, I don't know. <laughs> This is our hood lawyer. He could be like dark skinned Italian. Or this something. is why this is, this is why we had to to scrap the very first episode we ever yes. did because we just trust Conrad's we Googling. No, no, episode. no, no, no! Damn it! I told you in the text thread that blah blah blah. Whatever. We need blah, to. Blah. I hope we have that episode oh, and we can re-release it on Patreon. I, I, I honestly think it's been deleted from the world, but yeah, I agree. It would actually be hilarious. Um, all right, so closing out on the baseball talk, uh, we do have the postseason matchup set. Playoffs start tomorrow or the next day? Uh, Friday. Friday. Okay, so playoffs start Friday. Uh, in the AL, we're going to see Philly versus St. Louis. NL. Or sorry. <laughs> Man, I'm brain dead. In the NL, we'll see Philly versus St. Louis. The winner will play Atlanta. Atlanta won over 100 games and their division this year, so that's a very strong showing. The second strong showing is the Mets, who also won over 100 games and find themselves Raining in a wild champs. card spot. Right. Atlanta. Um, yeah, they, they won the series last year, yeah? Yep. Yeah. Uh, so the Mets are going to play a pretty tough San Diego team first round, but obviously they have the highest seed in the wild card, so uh, they're effectively playing number six. Uh, the winner of that game, or that series, best of three, will play LA, always up there. Nobody wants to go to fucking LA. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's a tough spot to be in, but like LA is going to be playing a hundred plus win Mets team. Is that the Angels. No, the no. Angels haven't made the playoffs in maybe what? fifteen. The years. Dodgers. Yeah. yeah, the Dodgers. Okay. Um, on the NL side of things, uh, we see Seattle versus Toronto, uh, and the winner of that will play Houston. Man, I was talking about this in pre-production. It's amazing what Houston has done. They get caught cheating. <laughs> the three, theme of this show. They get caught cheating to win the uh, World Series three or four years ago. Something like that. They yeah. lose their ace in Cole. Well, I guess he was their number two at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, so he was a Cy Young runner-up that year. Verlander won the Cy Young. They end up losing him to injury or, or whatever. Uh, and they're still just perennially there. Verlander comes back this year. He's, what, 38 now? Like, he's, he's getting up there. Mm -hmm. uh, puts up Cy Young stats again. And now we see Houston as the number two seed, I assume. Uh, Houston's one. Oh, Houston's one. The Yankees Houston's are two. One, yeah. Okay, wow, yeah. Uh, and obviously the AL East. Yeah, they love Springer too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the, the AL East obviously is just killing it this year with three representatives from uh, the Yankees, Toronto, and Tampa Bay. We see Tampa Bay back in the playoffs playing Cleveland. The winner is going to play the Yankees. Honestly, uh, this is probably the most interested I've been in the American League playoff in a long time. Uh, it's nice to see teams like Seattle, Toronto, Tampa Bay mm -hmm. find their way back in. Yeah, uh, I'm not that upset that Boston's not there. I, you love to see the Boston-Yankee rivalry, of course. Like, that's yeah. always a theme. But I like to see these smaller market teams actually represent where we don't really see that in the NL. Yeah. The Mets, the, the Dodgers, uh, the Padres... Philly, these guys all broke the fucking bank yeah. to get where they're at. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, your, your, your Phillies are in there. That's my Phillies. I saw you head bob one. a little well, bit. Well, actually, I was raised to be a Yankees fan, so. Oh, yeah, that's right. We know your mom. She liked, the, <laughs> she liked Derek Jeter. Yeah. 
Vegeta. <laughs> <laughs> um, why do pitchers, like, good pitchers, how do they get better over time? Like, Scherzer, fucking, um, well, Verlander. Verlander. There's an easy answer to that. <laughs> steroids? I mean, whether it's steroids <laughs> or, or some other performance enhancer, like, I, I'm of high confidence that everybody's using HGH. If you're not as an athlete, you're kind of just doing it wrong. Uh, and that's Wait, not even a slight. HGH is banned or not banned? It's a banned substance, but it's undetectable. Because mm. it's a, 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 like it's, a natural hormone. Yeah. So it's just it also like... has like very little correlation to your testosterone. So it's not like you start taking HGH and your T shoots up to like the mid-1500s. Interesting. Um, it's just often stacked with testosterone. So like during the Bonds era, the steroid era or whatever, they were doing uh, stacks of anabolic steroids with HGH. The HGH is for recovery purposes. It's for longevity. It keeps your... Uh, it, it basically keeps Not you youthful. Youth. Yeah, it keeps you youthful longer. Um, Does it make you live longer? Uh, I don't think we know. Time will tell, yeah. Yeah, I don't think we know yet because there is the potential downside that it increases the size of your organs, especially if it's abused. Oh, is that why they get that bloated look? So, yes, uh, the Joe Rogan bubble gut. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's a thing. Uh, so yeah. it's pretty clear he's abused. When I say abused, I mean like taken extreme amounts uh, of hgh and the end result of that is bubble gut uh maybe i think that's why i have such a big heart because i was on uh, hgh as a kid oh maybe do you actually have an enlarged heart no okay <laughs> i just have a big heart right just the, the theoretical <laughs> big heart. okay um but yeah uh so uh i don't even think it's like a common occurrence that the the downside of hgh is uh enlarged organs but there is it's growth hormone, right? So it increases the growth of your nails, your hair, all these things. And it also extends out to uh, your organs. So if not monitored properly, uh, that can be a potential downside. So uh, as far as like extending life, we're not sure, but it extends quality of life for sure. That's my little pitch for HGH today, I guess. Uh, Go buy yours. Sponsored by HGH. <laughs> they were talking about this, the strategy of the playoffs and like, because it's a different format this year mm -hmm. than it's ever been where they, the wildcard game is three games, right? So they were saying that like the Mets might hold off and not pitch Syndergaard until game three if they have to. That way they can have them ready for game one of... Uh, that, you know, the NLDS, if they have to, if, you know, hoping that they make it. And then if they do have to play game three, play Syndergaard, um, pitch him then. I wonder so, if they pitch their rotation backwards. Uh, it's, I guess it would be similar to that. Um, but they, they said, I think they said that potentially uh, these teams could be playing like eight games in 10 days, which is a lot for the playoffs. They yeah. usually, you know, have these, these travel days and these day offs. So they can kind of get their their pitchers rested, but it's going to be different this year. So you might look at four man rotations instead of three man rotations. Do you think they start with the three pitcher and then go four if they win and two if they lose? I think they go with. Oh, I oh if it's a it's a three game. You're talking about the wild card. Yes, it's think, a three game. Series. I think you're, yeah. I mean, you're going to use your best three, but I think you would go. No, I don't think you use your best two, three, one. Well, or, I think it's a, right? a strategically. I would think you start with your three, your number three pitcher. Okay. And if you can win that game, mm -hmm. then you can throw your number four, and now you have your. No, best they're always arms. they're not they're not going to go number four and, and not put number two in there. You need it. You you're, you're not. I, I don't think. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I, guess I don't actually understand this strategy. You should always throw your number one game one. 
Because well, there's enough rest where he'd be coming back for game one of the next series anyway. Wrong. It would be no, four that's, that's, or five that's, days. That's the, that's the point. That's what, that's what we're saying. They're playing three straight. Oh, because they don't do three, three day rot- or three day. There's three games in a row. And then, and then, no. Day, uh, there's no travel day? I don't, I, I, I don't think so. I, I know that they said there, there was a reason why. There, there wouldn't be, like, if, if he played game one uh, of the wild card, he wouldn't be ready for game one of the NLDS. That, that's the whole reason why. Yeah, I mean, I assume it's because they table. just don't want people throwing on short rest. Maybe. Uh, which, if that's the case, okay, fine. Yeah, you would throw your two num- game one. Because two, he certainly would right. be ready for game two. Yeah. So two, three, and then and then one, one if, need if, be. if necessary. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that's the strat. That that definitely seems like the right strat. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least for the Mets, I think if you're the underdog, you probably just throw your one. Throw your one versus their two. Try to steal one. Yeah. And then hope for the best. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay. So getting out of baseball, let's get into uh, the real meat and potatoes uh, for today. Let's talk cheating. Uh, so first story that we have to cover, uh, and uh, this is unfortunate. I've known Ian since he was a young man coming up in the scene. Uh, always had great things to talk about or, or to, to speak about when it, re- when it regarded him. Um, I, I went deep in the Brigada 15K WPT championship with him when I think he was like either just turning 21. Uh, I imagine he was just turning 21 at that point. And I said that, you know, this kid's going to be a crusher. Like I thought he was going to be one of the biggest up-and-comers on the tournament scene at the time. Very intelligent guy. Uh, seems to have lost his way quite a bit. Uh, yesterday, Kane Callis outed him as a scammer. Uh, the general details, as I understand them, are that he had asked Kane for both an MTT and cash backing deal and did not disclose that he was already engaged in a deal with Jonathan Jaffe um, and seems to have been in makeup. Uh, shortly thereafter... Uh, it was discovered that this deal did exist, and uh, John and Kane started to like cross-reference all of the the sessions that were being reported to each other. It came back that there was some misreporting, so it did work out where Ian was not overselling. The percentages that each of them had uh, did equal less than a hundred, so he wasn't scamming in the sense that he was overselling or stealing just money off the top that way. But it did seem like he was misreporting or not reporting. Uh, openly to both, he had two two backers. Yes. so he was getting like double funded. Well, no, because he was so, he he basically each stake had under the hundred percent combined. Okay, so he he wasn't like overselling. He was funding a stake from two different people, but mm-hmm. then reporting some to one and then reporting others mm-hmm. to the so other. Reported, right. So right. I would imagine that the way this worked is if he played a cash game and it behooved him to be on Kane's stake for that one, then he would only tell Kane he was playing said cash game mm-hmm. and not Jonathan and vice versa. Okay. Right. So, so um, it was kind of maybe it was like to like if he had more makeup on one, then he would make it. Or I don't know. I, I imagine don't know it, it mattered how big the game was. So the way that these usually work is after a certain buy-in threshold, you start to sell. Okay. So at the point where he was supposed to sell, he probably just brought in his second backing deal. Okay, that makes sense. Right, and basically said like, okay, so I he was sold. free rolling. Yeah. But saying that he sold. Correct. Okay. Correct. Um, so uh, you know, effect. Uh, eventually, like the house of cards fell. They found everything out. They realized that he was misreporting. And they called him out on it. It seems like Ian took full responsibility, basically begged them not to disclose this to the public at the time that he was going to make right on it. And honestly, like, I understand why they gave him the benefit of the doubt. Like I said, Ian, uh, by all parts, has always shown to, to be good character. 
and I think they trusted that he was going to make good. Uh, they said that he had basically misreported up to the tune of mid six figures. So we're talking a lot of money. Uh, over the course of time, he was... Uh, so the, the uh, contingency to them not outing him was that he had to report every single thing that he played to both of them moving forward. And uh, it seemed like he made good on that promise, paid back about 40% of what he owed. And then recently they discovered that he had... Um, sold to the open market to play the poker masters never played it never disclosed to them that he was selling mm -hmm. and uh was sending like fake receipts to his buyers saying that he had busted seemingly pocketing all the money uh so obviously he was confronted again uh ian replied to the thread he hasn't made a public statement yet but he kind of just replied to uh kane's thread corroborating the story saying that um you know he's very sorry to have affected uh kane and john with his decisions he made these cho choices on his own and now must face the consequences he'll do everything in his power to rectify the situation as much as possible uh he will do better in every aspect of life moving oh, forward he thank changed you changed his profile picture to black i mean you know blackout understandably so uh so yeah this is this is kind of a black eye on what i would have considered to be one of the good guys in poker uh it's it's unfortunate this type of stuff happens man people have their they're demons, uh, not really sure what exactly. Yeah, they uh, said he was funding his lifestyle, so they didn't mention. Usually, like, if it was pits or something, they usually mention that. But they said it was, they specifically said his lifestyle. Right, and I don't know what that entails. Uh, I don't know how he's living. I just know that, like, you know, he put in a lot of work to lose a lot of weight. So, uh, you know, that's one thing that seemed like he was passionate about. Uh, maybe his lifestyle was just playing poker uh on his own dime and getting getting uh funded that way mm. I, i'm not really sure i don't want to speculate uh i just know that this sucks and uh you know i completely understand why they went public there's a lot of chatter that they should have went public the first time to prevent the people who've now been rolled mm. the second time hopefully ian does right by them but people who are in this situation man they don't just come into money all that easily yeah i mean he paid back 40 percent but he was still in action. He had a new backer. Oh, and he no longer has that backer. I mean, yeah, I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah. Robin Peter to pay Paul may, right. maybe exactly. kind of situation. Right. Yeah, yeah, precisely. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have super high hopes, not because uh, I don't trust that he wants to do better, but just because the opportunity's kind of gone, and rightfully so. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's a shitty situation, but, uh, you know, I think it's our duty to kind of get that stuff out there, mm -hmm. uh, not someone to do business with moving forward. Let's get to the Garrett stuff. Uh, we have Manit on the line, and I don't want to keep him waiting too much longer. So uh, I just want to catch everybody up to date uh, uh, where we are currently on this situation. Um, first and foremost, one of the, the things that we broke early was that there was a potential device on Robbie's hip, uh, and there was a clear outline of what seemed to be a rectangular device. It looks as though Bill Perkins has done a lot more digging uh, so this is the this is the image that we initially released. Uh, Perkins has done a lot of digging and thinks that he's disproved this. Uh, I see this image and I still see the bulge. Um, I'm not sure if you can zoom in on on the left at all, Guapo. But the the area that Perkins is <sighs> demonstrating here it, it's not the same as the bulge that we see, as far as I can tell. Um, he basically said, like, he's still not sure. Uh, the video is a little bit too grainy. The quality is a little bit too poor. Uh, but 
basically there's doubt now that that actually was a physical device on her person and uh you know we don't have a lot of great camera angles so uh, it's tough man i mean like you know that that to me looks like a physical device melissa you you don't think so my thoughts are that i would believe it if i saw another angle that shows that that thing whatever it is was there otherwise looking at the pants there's a little lot there's seams and there's a perforated panel that could definitely make cameras do weird stuff i mean i just i need another angle why mm -hmm. would it why would there be no other angle if there was something in because there? this is the roving cameraman he just happened to to be but they had one from above they showed there was a post that showed other angles one from above and then like one sort of front-ish down and there was no bump or anything yeah i i mean um you know it's a six-hour show and we don't we definitely don't notice it until later in the show there yeah. are multiple angles from where you can notice it right beyond the five-hour mark well it but, said that it showed up after the confrontation with garrett yeah yes exactly. so why would it show up after well if it was a cheating device well she may have just moved it it could have been on her left hip before we don't we and then don't she know. moved it to be visible after she doesn't know it's visible <laughs> like that's just raver poker with a camera that okay. happened to catch that angle it's not like per, per chance i mean i'm not going to try to i'm not going to try to go through the logic she cheated if she cheated she cheated with jack four high in a hand so it's like yeah uh I trying to tie the logical there, loops together if that was really there there would be another angle yeah yeah i mean obviously it's not conclusive by any stretch um the other thing that uh we want to talk about is uh and I, I didn't have time to to find a lot of this context, but there's a giant Reddit thread uh, basically poking holes in a lot of the Rip Robbie backstory. So this is all falling apart a little bit. Uh, you guys can check that out. It's a pretty easy search away. Uh, effectively, you know, we kind of spoke about this before, uh, but it appears as though um, Rip is certainly not giga wealthy. Uh, I, I don't know what his actual wealth is, but uh, tracing the timeline, it appears as though he's been involved in some low-level scamming in the past uh and uh may or may not wait he was involved in low-level scamming yeah uh, i did i just parsed through the thread very quickly uh so i don't want to i don't want to say anything slanderous yeah. that i'm not confident in uh or speculate people can do their own so research this is all a paraphrase from some yeah thing you read yeah yeah okay. again it, it's just hearsay um but it, it's it's leaning that way basically uh there's some evidence that he was a contracted electrician for a long time. He moved into the uh, housing development space mm -hmm. and then attempted to launch a, uh, an online uh, weed company. Okay. But it seems like none of that stuff super panned out. Okay. Uh, but not sure. Again, who knows, man? People have windfalls, you know? Yeah. Maybe he and had a sometimes windfall. people, you know, they're, they're already rich from family or whatever. Yeah, could be. Uh, there's also a lot of people confirming that he and Robbie play around town a mm. bunch in very small buy-ins. Uh, okay, so like less than 5k 5k at the most cash. is like is yeah like the biggest cash games that they play interesting like 5k buy that is very interesting and there's also the thing where she has a quarter million mm -hmm. uh on the table and he had bought him for 100k and then lets himself bleed down to like 18 mm -hmm. uh very disproportionate just food for Maybe thought he's doing the helmuth strat yeah you know where be. you buy in and then <laughs> try to just, run it up you will just ride that bullet down <laughs> Yeah. to a tiny hey, little nugget we've all been there i understand yeah. it 
Uh, last couple of things. Uh, Hustler continues their investigation um, yesterday on Joey Ingram's pod. Uh, Nick came back on to kind of give an update there. Uh, Kessler grilled him a little bit. I joined them for a few minutes as well. You know, I, I came in at the end of, I guess, <laughs> the tail end of that, where it's just this heated back and forth between Kessler and Nick. Yeah. And it, then it Nick, Nick, like, <laughs> got off the phone. He's like, <laughs> he lost the shit. Kessler's he's like, like do this. well, I just don't understand why. And Nick's like, I'm off this phone. I'm just like, what's going on? I mean, you, you, you have to understand. Like, Nick is getting run ragged at this point. Yeah. He's getting dragged and pulled in every direction. And Kessler's just kind of, like, being <laughs> dense for the sake he of being is dense. definitely a Karen. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You the, know, the Karen I think he's Kessler the most Karen. Is appropriate. Karen, uh, I've I've seen. Right, I, I couldn't agree more, and not because I don't like Kessler, but no. because it's just an accurate description. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's going to continue moving forward. Nick's uh, basically saying, like, at the end of it all, everything will be revealed. But for the time being, like, he wants to keep the methods of his investigations under wrap. I respect that. I think it's smart. Mm -hmm. um, looking forward to. I, I think we're kind of turning things over to that at this point. Uh, finally, today, Garrett put out a message saying that he wants to take all the attention that he's getting and put it on at least a good cause. Uh, it appears as though he is uh, pushing for people to uh, consider donating to Big Brothers of Los Angeles, and he himself put up a hefty donation. Uh, I bet you can guess the number. <laughs> <laughs> Did it happen to be 135000 It seems that uh, Garrett Adelstein has donated 135 k to the Big Brother organization. Um, Conrad was kind of speculating that... Uh, or he kind of asked, does that mean that Garrett's done with this all? And that's his that's final nice decision. That's a tax write-off for that, right? I would assume so. Yes, of course. Yeah. Smart. Yeah. Smart man. Well, I, I mean, to be clear, I don't think this means he wouldn't give the money back to yeah. Robbie. Yeah. Uh, so even though this is obviously uh, some image repair and uh, whatnot, I imagine that if I had to guess, Garrett probably donates to Big Brother anyway mm -hmm. and just doesn't make it public. And this is kind of an opportunity to make it public and kind of get people off his back a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I also imagine that the internet being what it is, will just kind of double down and hate him more. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There, there's no good deed goes unpunished. When the mob right? is against you, I, don't, I think it seems do. like just from seeing this happen to other celebrities and comedians and stuff, it seems like the best strat is to be silent. Yeah for at least until they get mad about something else. Yeah, I would say the same thing for even, like, Robbie. Uh, like, yeah. I think the majority of the internet was on her side, and she made some pretty fucking bad takes yesterday. And oh, yeah? you could see the tone shift a lot. I didn't, I didn't see She that. was, like, trying to accuse Garrett of cheating on Live at the Bike because oh, he was that's pulling right. chips out of his bag. Yeah, yeah, and then she went back on that. I mean, obviously, yeah. like, people were in her ear saying, like, stop talking. Yeah. Right? Like, every time you talk, it insinuates more and more Tucci guilt. I know, even said on Joey's podcast, like, I wish she would stop. Yeah, it doesn't. It does not help her case at all. Uh, so speaking of said case, uh, Manit Madden is going to join us. My apologies for keeping you waiting so long. Uh, to give a little bit of a background of how I met Manit, um, he has developed a new RFID poker uh, technology. Uh, I'll let you describe it a little bit. Maybe give a little bit of your background as far as how you got into this space. Yeah, hey guys, um, I'm hey. on it. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's great to be here. But yeah, uh, just a little bit about me. I don't think many people out there watching this would really know who I am uh, in the community, but 
basically i kind of got into playing poker at a young age um kind of found this uh need for a better rfid solution as i kind of went through college studied a lot of computer science studied software security and i think from the beginning our focus was never really uh, how can we build a better or more secure solution it was basically how can we take the current solutions and make a better poker table one that tracks chips that tracks cards and allow players to kind of get that data card rooms to get that data and actually improve their game improve their operations in obviously a more secure way and um, kind of growing up with technology you kind of see how outdated a lot of um, systems are today and how we kind of want to take that and take it to the next level so my goal is to basically just take RFID technology and use that in poker and kind of help help the game grow and yeah so I'm here yeah, I think that that's really good, uh, mainly because uh, I want everybody to understand that in order to get to the point of creating uh, what you have, you have to have a pretty intimate understanding of this tech. And, you know, as somebody whose background is computer science, and for what it's worth, I'm very far removed. I haven't programmed in almost 20 years. So uh, I don't even know what the current languages are that, that uh, are most commonly used or anything of that nature. But um, I have really forced myself to educate uh, or become educated on the leading tech whenever it comes to the poker industry as a whole. And, uh, you know, I have a, a working relationship with Andrew Milner, who created the original Poker GFX product. Uh, he's helped me understand the back end a lot better there. Uh, you know, also to, to clarify a few things that I maybe spoke a little bit uh, out of pocket with yesterday um, in having a back and forth with him, he has removed that feature uh, on Poker GFX that used to allow you to broadcast out in real time while running the delay. Uh, he basically said that the upside of allowing production houses to do that did not outweigh the downside of the potential security breach. So he is conscientious of uh, the vulnerabilities out there, as I'm sure you are. Uh, what I found to be most interesting about your product was the, the data collection element of it. As poker players, in this industry who have kind of evolved through the online launching of poker gaming i believe that we've done a very good job of becoming data analysts uh, over the aggregate and we've caught a lot of cheating this way so could you speak a little bit to the uh aspect of the data collection element of your product and how that could potentially uh help secure some of these vulnerabilities yeah i think um What's interesting is from the beginning, we've kind of always looked at the data to be the the main value that we provide. And that's mainly because, I mean, when, when I first saw GFX, and I think what Andrew's done and what GFX has done is great for the game. They spent the last 10 years kind of providing live streaming tables to places and making it more accessible. So I think they've done kind of a great job on that. But to me, when I first saw their system, I thought, hey, why isn't this data being used to help kind of figure out more things for the card room in terms of security? Why is it not being used for the players where they can go back and see their information and see what are my leaks in my game? What's my VPIP? And kind of accessing all that data. Maybe you don't need the cameras for that, but that's a possibility. Um, and when we first kind of looked into that, I said the big problem is the RFID chips, right? Um, they don't use RFID chips. You have to manually type in the bets. And that means you have someone sitting in a room in the back typing that in for a live stream and it also reduces the ability to have a very accessible solution for people in their homes or uh, smaller card rooms that can't afford such a big setup and a room and everything like that. So um, I wanted to kind of make a setup that had the ability to track the data, but focus on the security side of it and focus on helping players improve their game and car card rooms improve their operations. Um, because I, I think overall data has a pretty bad uh, connotation 
in our world today, right? People think of data as like, oh, I'm being tracked or, oh, the information is being stored somewhere else by someone else and can be accessed by someone else. And that's also caused a lot of the issues we're seeing with this whole scandal today. The fact that it's on RFID table is causing people to think cheating could exist. And that would be very unlikely if this was just done on a normal table, right? So I think that's something that's important to note that when we look at data, we're not looking in terms of how can it be used to in a malicious way, but we're looking at how can we make the most secure solution possible and have a, a net positive result on the players and on the card rooms. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that that's a, a great explanation. Uh, that's personally where I see it uh, serving the biggest benefit. Obviously, uh, it's helpful to players uh, to be able to go back and study and all that stuff, but uh i i've always made pretty strong arguments for why that's kind of bad for the game health as a whole like uh there was a big uproar that wsop.com doesn't allow you to access your hand histories in bulk and upload to things like pt4 and hem uh and i was kind of always on their side because though it does help uh suss out cheating um they're regulated and i think we have to entrust that that's happening behind the scenes on their security side with gaming and all those other things and curbing any mass data analysis, uh, like MDA to me uh, is very sketch. That's a whole separate conversation that we don't need to have now. But the amount of MDA that's taking place online, I think is, is hurtful to the overall ecosystem. Uh, and I have certain hesitations with that becoming the, uh, the, the case also in live. But live is so slow. Right, the amount of data that you're able to collect as an individual to learn off of, to build strategies and things of that nature, it's very not sufficient uh, and not much more than you would get off the eye test anyway, right? Like me watching 10 hours of you playing poker is probably gonna hold more weight because of the actual context that I get to uh, arrive at by seeing the actions prior uh, to, to you acting or whatever the case may be, rather than just like a black and white hand history where you are uh, cold calling a three bet or something of that nature. I don't, I don't get the context of game flow. Uh, so because of that now, I kind of am all in on the security side because that's where we are fundamentally flawed, in my opinion, in the live realm. And I think now that argument for uh, players can police a lot better if this data is public and if this data is available uh, to be sourced, uh, that's a really strong argument because there isn't a gaming commission overlooking these streams. There isn't a, a third party. We're trusting the stream houses themselves. And though I do have a reasonably high amount of trust for the people who run these stream houses, they're not exactly incentivized to catch cheating, right? It, it's kind of bad for the brand, so to speak. Um, so I kind of wanted to, to lead this interview then into... Um, First and foremost, discussing some of the leading theories out there. Uh, your blog post that you put out today, I thought was very well written and uh, kind of dives into some of those. So I just want to pick your brain and, uh, you know, we can nerd out a little bit as far as like why technically some of these are very low to zero probabilities and then maybe give a little credence to the ones that could be a little bit more feasible. Yeah, I think I think all that's a good point. I think in terms of security, and uh, I, I talked to you about this before, but what I really liked is you guys talked about this, I think yesterday, day before yesterday on the podcast, about how um, when, when GFX was first designed, right, and they've kind of, like I said, they've done a great job to kind of put this out there, but when they were first designed, it was meant to not be a commercial solution, and it was a plug-and-play plug solution that you can just put in any card room and just have working. They didn't think that there'd be a 
$100,000 plus game going on in a casino with the software 10, 15 down, years down the line, right? I think that's something that's important to note because when, when you're talking about a system that can kind of look at all these vulnerabilities and kind of see how can we close every gap, I don't think that should be left to the card room. I think that's the main issue. By, by having the card room worry about um, if the network is completely secure or if the, the cards were registered correctly and if they scan all those kind of variables, the more you add, the less likely they're going to be able to do something successfully, right? Uh, and I've gone and visited a bunch of these card rooms over the last few months, years. Um, a lot of them have let me go into the back room and see how they function, how they're running, and every single card room runs differently with the software. Um, so I think that designing a system where, where you think about integration from the beginning, and I, I kind of think of it as if you, were to, if you were to build a parallel to personal computing, right? Um, it's the same way how a, a Windows system, which is plug-and-play, can have so many more viruses and vulnerabilities than, say, like a MacBook or an Apple system. Yeah, I, I think that that, uh, that analogy is perfect, right? We wouldn't, we wouldn't start selling personal computers and expect the user to make them secure, right? Exactly. I mean, I guess at first we did. We expected them to buy third-party software like uh, McAfee antivirus and things of that nature, but it's evolved and it's gotten better. And we're, we're kind of at that point now here too, where we should take some of this onus off of the card houses and uh, you know, just look into being the more sophisticated uh, or, or developing something more sophisticated on the hardware software side. Because the fact of the matter is the people who are starting these streams and running these businesses, they're not privy to software. They're, they're not educated in that realm, right? They're, they're either going to be uh, specialized in production or in poker management or marketing or something of that realm, but it's going to have very little to do with actually comprehending the tech at, at play. Uh, so let's, let's discuss a few of the leading theories um, because I think my initial focus was to figure out if there was anything nefarious happening and then circle back to the how. But what I'm realizing is that that hand is so standalone off that there's almost no point in trying to figure out if anything else adds up to uh, something nefarious. It's like that hand as, in isolation is, is almost like a smoking gun in and of itself. And figuring out the how is actually a lot more pertinent now because if we can start to dismiss ways that they did not cheat, then we can at least hone in on uh, potential opportunities or vulnerabilities that they could have taken advantage of or just begin to dismiss it altogether and say like, look, this person lost their mind in a hand with Jack 4 High, happened to be right and won a massive life-changing pot. Uh, so the theories as I have them laid out, the first one that I think is getting uh, the most traction is that um, she was able to, or, uh, or a partner of some sort who was signaling her was able to infiltrate the RFID system, right? So uh, in order, can we, can we speak first and foremost about the idea of her just bringing in a third-party RFID reader? Yeah, so that, that's something I talked a little bit about in the article because that's probably the main thesis I've kind of seen everyone on social media come out with because that just seems like, if, if you don't know much about the system, that seems like the first way you think of, right? It's something to do with the hardware and something she brought in and put there, um, like Ocean's Eleven style, right? So I think that um, that seems to be, to me, one of the most unlikely situations if, if there's even cheating going on. Um, I think that having a device to, first of all, read these uh, RFID cards needs to be pretty strong, and for that you need a lot of power, right? So you can obviously read something from close by. Uh, I was talking to Joey Ingram about this, but he was saying like the water bottle, right? And I think the water bottle is something that's close to her own cards. It can definitely read it. 
if you were able to design a RFID system that was exact shape and even to get those parts, it's it's a huge hassle, but I'm sure she could figure out some way if she wanted to cheat. But um, even if you have that system, being able to read the cards next door is possible, but reading across the table or to, even if she was supposed to target a specific opponent, I think those kind of things are very difficult to do with um, a system like that, unless she set up something right next to it. It would be pretty obvious and it'd be plugged into some power source. So yeah, don't think that's likely. Okay, so uh, digging into that a little bit more, there are a few few things that I want to dispel. So first and foremost, what what is the actual readability range of the cards? So say she wants to read Garrett's cards. Uh, is that even feasible being six feet away? Yeah, so it, it depends a little bit on the manufacturers of the cards. So the protocol of these um, RFID cards I use are called vicinity cards. Um, and the ones I've kind of examined being used, like the, the Faded Spades cards, shout out sponsor Faded Spade, but... Um, those kind of cards usually end up having a read range of about, I'd say, 5 to 10 centimeters. Um, so she wouldn't really be able to read Garrett's cards. And that, that's kind of with a caveat, because if you have a... the This read strength isn't really dependent that much on the card itself. It's more on the readers and the antennas inside the table. Um, if you've played on one of these live streaming tables, you notice with the antennas that they have, you'd have to like rub the cards a lot or make sure that it's read. So you have to be extremely close, within a couple centimeters to read it. But if someone came from outside with a, a massive reader using the exact same protocol, which is very hard to build, it's te it's technically possible, but I, I don't think uh, that's the best way to do it. I don't think it's likely, and I don't think it would go unnoticed. Yeah, I can confirm, uh, just knowing Tom well, and also having spoke with Andrew, that uh, the Faded Spade cards are about 8 to 10 centimeters in range. Yeah. Uh, I, I just wanted you to, to kind of speak on that. Um, secondarily, uh, when reading these cards so let's say that she was theoretically able to get an rfid reader in there of some sort uh can you speak a little bit to the registration process and compiling the actual database because uh i'll let you speak on it technically and then i'll try to translate it but uh specifically what i'm talking about is the uid uh, of each card and how that works yeah so i, I think that's a, a major vulnerability in these kind of systems um so essentially the way it works is when you scan one of these RFID cards, and you can even do it with your phone if you just download an app like NFC Tools, you can just scan the card and you can get a serial number there that shows the serial number for that specific tag. Um, and the way that essentially works is, um, or at least the way I'm guessing, now I don't, we don't build the systems that Hustler uses, so I, w I don't want to talk for them. But essentially the way that it's always been is the serial numbers would be tied to a card that is kind of mentioned when you register it. So before the game, when you get a deck of cards, the, the production team will go there and they'll scan each card one by one and store, okay, this is the Ace of Spades, this is the Two of Spades, and the system will store in the back end showing each serial number and what card that represents, right? Um, I think that's a big vulnerability because if I register the cards once and play 10 games with that and say someone got their hands on the cards after game one, they'll know the information at game 10, right? So it should be a necessity uh, in the software to keep changing these uh, values and serial numbers. That's why when, when we design our cards, we don't build it like that. But um, I think that's an important thing to notice. Yeah, so um, to put that into lay terms, basically uh, each card has a unique ID to it. And if you did have an RFID reader, you'd be able to capture that unique ID. There's nothing There's nothing uh, encrypting it, right? It's it's open source for everybody. What, what matters though is these cards have to be registered to the readers at the table in order for them to produce produce graphics out, right? So you actually have to then translate that unique ID into a visual graphic or into uh, English if you're cheating, right? So yeah. 
basically what it would take would be uh, a plant coming in with an RFID reader, scanning the entire deck throughout the course of a session. So every time they're dealt two cards, mm -hmm. they scan them. And then after the fact, go home, watch the entire stream, and every single time that they're dealt a hand, then connect that unique ID that they scanned in real time to it and create this database. Now, the easy way to avoid this is to always swap out your decks, right? So if they were not swapping out the decks, theoretically, mm -hmm. could the water bottle have been scanning the cards that, that's, throughout the past sessions? Right, that's kind of, that's kind of one of the leading theories. Yeah. I, I'll let you discuss. It's so no, unlikely that, oh, sorry. Yeah. I was just gonna say, it's so unlikely that they would um, just use one deck through three sessions. Well, it's two decks. Or two decks, uh, right. I, I yeah. actually have information that that might not be as unlikely as you think. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I, I would just think that they would like, I know like when we do it, it we, we have like three or four decks and we're just doing the academy. And then we have like, um, you know, I, like if you're doing a stream, you would, you would almost like register them re-register a different deck before each um, before, before each session just to make sure that they're all sure, sure. but, but the whole point is that like negligence could occur yes of course also cards get swapped out like throughout time yeah like, but that's also another theory that's taking place now with the 4 and the 6 getting mm -hmm. swapped out mm -hmm. that uh, if they had a data database compiled they would only see that she had the jack of clubs there yeah and the reason they get swapped out is because they break they, they break right so the the uh yeah the reader inside breaks and then you have to swap it out good yeah and i think that, that kind of goes back to the first point i was trying to make right where if having the the card room swap out the decks and stuff like that like that shouldn't be on the card like it's not like no, ryan feldman or nick Vertucci, they're experts in this kind of thing and they know that hey i should swap it out after every game and i should have 100 decks lined up i mean each of these decks right now are costing 50 to 100 sometimes 150 dollars mm -hmm. so having that is not really a feasible solution but it is the right thing to do right um yeah. and I, I think that's just something in the design of the system that that is an issue is it is it feasible though for uh for the water bottle to have been scanning uh, uh by the way i'm going to dismiss this afterwards but i'm just kind of asking the feasibility <laughs> of it <laughs> It, it is, um, but only probably the cards next to the water bottle. So only her cards. It wouldn't be. It could be used to kind of collect the data, and every time she gets two cards, say, okay, here are the two cards I got. Here's the IDs for each of them. That's definitely possible, but that wouldn't help her in the in the Jack Four situation, knowing what Garrett had, because it wouldn't mm -hmm. be able to read all the way across the table. Right, right. So uh, effectively, if she were doing that, like let's say her first stream where we where we initially saw the bottle. Uh, she could have been data collecting the decks then, building up the registry, uh, and then having uh, a compilation of said registry moving forward. Um, but to, uh, to, to Manit's point, now the water bottle has no purpose for us in this yeah. session. You'd almost right? need somebody else on the other side. Well, that, that's what would be happening. She would right. be getting communicated to via right. some earpiece or device or buzz or whatever mm -hmm. the case may be, right? That's how the system would ultimately yeah. uh, fix. I'm I'm pointing this out because I want people to understand how many hoops you have to jump through right. in order to do this. Uh, and you know, now that we we kind of speak about this, uh, well, I, I actually want to want to hold off on that um, for one second. So uh, just to talk about then uh, the bottle still being on the table, either it would only be for consistency sake because now there's nothing in it, and if people ask to check it, like you could clearly demonstrate that there's nothing in it, mm -hmm. or it was in case they swapped out cards so that she could then uh, capture the new cards 
and somebody watching at home on a two-hour delay would eventually be able to to re-put uh, put them in. I don't think there's a lot of weight to either of these theories. Uh, you know, I've spoken about it at length, talking with Manit. Now, it's just a whole lot, right? right? It's a it's a lot of work and a lot of prep and a lot of planning uh, that could lead to a, I would assume a better spot than the Jack Four. Yeah. Um, another one yeah. of the theories. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say I, I think that everyone on social media is kind of focused on these two aspects of first of all, how did she get the information about the cards either through the water bottle or by scanning it. It's pretty easy to do either way. Um, and then the second thing they're focusing on is how did she kind of get that information in real time, right? Either through uh, the thing in her pocket or something. I think those those are really the easy parts of figuring out the situation here, right? Um, you could set, I, I mentioned this in the, in the piece as well, but you can kind of set up a, a visual signal somewhere, just putting a light. I know their room's surrounded by glass. You put a light somewhere that kind of just flashes every time or have some kind of uh, any kind of signal to her is pretty easy to set up. Yeah. The hard part, the part that I think everyone should be kind of focused on if you were to think about the situation is how can you access and know what Garrett had at that moment? And also, where's the, where's the vulnerability there? Right. Yes, yes. That I wholeheartedly agree with. I think we've come to the conclusion that if she's cheating, the signaling aspect would not be difficult. It's the, uh, it, it's the perfect information. Somehow acquiring the perfect information, finding a vulnerability in the system in some capacity. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of speak about this uh, with the final leading theory. But uh, before I do that, I, I want to dismiss another technical theory that is one that's getting passed along. So there's been this video that surfaces uh, that surfaced uh, four or five years ago. It was very popular uh, during the Apostle scandal, uh, and it basically gets misconstrued for RFID technology a lot. I'm not sure if you're aware of the one I'm talking about, but it's the infrared. Yeah. 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 So uh, just to set this up and I'll let you speak about it um, a little more in depth, but uh, this Frenchman uh, did like a tech talk sort of video where he demonstrates this deck of cards. And what it is, is you can buy an already marked deck uh, of cards with infrared and they're marked like on the, on the spine of the cards, if you will. Uh, so when the deck is facing in any one of the four directions, those spines will have the, the infrared codes on them. Uh, and what the person who's cheating then does is uh, basically has some sort of reading device that shines an infrared, infrared laser on the deck of cards, gets back uh, perfect information as far as like how the deck is set top to bottom, and then gets a readout however they so choose. So I think that there was multiple ways that you could program it. It could either tell you like what the next card was, it could tell you the deck one through 52, or it could tell you by seat uh, who is gonna get dealt a winner, uh, second best, third best, et cetera. So there was sophistication there in how you could cheat. But uh, the few things that you need to understand is that uh, it requires getting a pre-marked deck, which in this instance would require you getting a very custom deck because they're faded spade cards with Hustler branding on it. Uh, somehow you would have to get that custom deck turned into a marked infrared deck. It requires uh, the infrared device, which as of that video, required a ton of power as you were kind of speaking. So you could get multiple batteries, but they were only good for like 30 minutes. So somewhere, somehow, you would have to have like 10 batteries on you, constantly leaving the table to change the batteries in your, uh, in your device. Um, and then finally... Uh, not only would you have to get this marked deck in, but you would somehow have to get it registered by the house as a legitimate deck. So this almost certainly would require an inside person. Uh, can you speak a little bit to this tech? Yeah, so, I mean, 
we haven't worked much with infrared in terms of cards. I know the way they kind of originated was um, in chips and casinos. They used to mark the chips inside with uh, infrared so or uh, some kind of ultraviolet. So if it was stolen, you could break open the chip, look at a light, and see if it's real or not, or see which casino it's from. Uh, so that's kind of how it originated. And the video I think you're talking about in that they kind of shuffle the cards, and immediately on the phone you get a, a voice saying what the order of the cards are going to come out in. Correct. I, I think it's a little bit of a stretch because that doesn't really show all the setup required to show the camera looking at it. It has to be at a pretty good angle to see every single card in the deck while it's being shuffled. Um, it has to be extremely accurate and positioned to know the exact layering of the cards without... I mean, a single mistake could make the cheater lose as much money as they win, right? So it's mm-hmm. it has to be extremely accurate, and I can probably name 10 better ways to kind of access that data than using infrared. And also, I don't know if... I don't even know if the, the cards that they get even have infrared marked on. I don't know why they would do that. Um, I don't know any systems that use that. Right. Yeah, totally agree. Um, there's another theory that's going around. Uh, it's revolving around Rip's watch. So it's a very, very expensive watch. It's a Bubba Watson, I can't recall the full name. What? R- Richard, Richard Milley. Richard, Richard Milley, yeah. Uh, apparently there's only like 5,000 of them made. Uh, very expensive watch, like a half a million dollars, something of that effect. But there's a lot of people on the internet supposing that it's actually a fraud and housing a RFID reader of some sort. Uh, can you talk a little bit about, uh, so we are, we've already discussed this, but, uh, on top of that theory, there's this notion of repeaters and, uh, UHF, uh, UHF being, uh, ultra high frequency. Can you, can you speak a little bit about those and how they could potentially be worked into this? Yeah, I, first of all, I think that UHF seems pretty unlikely. So, uh, just to give a bit of background, um, in RFID, there are multiple standards, right? There's low frequency, high frequency, and ultra high frequency. Um, what you'll kind of see is ultra high frequency are used can, and can be read over kilometers of distance, right? You can have um, a tag being read from uh, across the street because that's kind of what's used in like if you go to a, a clothing store and when your clothes are kind of walked out with or stuff like that, right? Um, and that could be used to read across the table. But the problem here is that the cards that are being used are, like I said before, vicinity cards, which is high frequency. Uh, and you can't really read um, tags at different frequencies and especially not from a watch that small, that's probably not even possible. Right. Yeah, uh, I, I think that that's important to understand because even if we were using UHF, uh, what needs to be understood is that you'll get a lot of noise. So you have to understand how many UIDs or uh, unique IDs are actually broadcasting at this table at once, right? There's 52 in the cards. Uh, and then you also just have the the interference of the other nine or 10 readers or whatever at the table uh that that are causing a problem so uh you know if you think of it as like it is a radio wave so if you think of it as a band it's going to expand as it goes out in in nature right it's not linear where you could just like aim it from robbie to garrett or robbie to rip or anything along those lines it's going to cascade out in a field and that field is going to be uh you know it's going to be very noisy so you have to think about precision whenever we're talking about these types of techniques, right? It's all about getting perfect information in a precise uh, manner and in a very short order of time. So uh, the last one I want to speak about, the last leading, and, and if anything is occurring, I think that this is obviously the most probable, especially after talking about like what it would take in order to do uh, the infrared uh, scam or um, you know, basically be able to breach any of the technology. And that's the idea of just an inside job, right? That's largely what we saw with the Postle scenario. 
whether he acted alone or he or was uh, in part with Justin Curitis or, or one of the other members of Stones, what we know for sure is that he had access. So he had access to the server room in some capacity. Whether uh, someone else was involved or not, we don't know. But uh, that led to it effectively being an inside job because where this whole system is most vulnerable is if your server is not protected. The, uh, and I'll let you speak about this too, but when the cards are read, that information is then sent to the server in an encrypted manner, right? It's not like you could just pull the packets out of the air at that point and just know that seat one has the ace of spades type of thing, right? It goes encrypted, the server decrypts them and then spits out graphics for the people to put on screen. Um, if you had somebody working with you, uh, they would just then be able to relay that perfect information, right? So basically this all just comes down to accessibility of real-time info and making the system as trustless as possible. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the vulnerabilities around uh, the trust involved in running the system and how having an inside person could potentially lead to a cheating scandal? Yeah, I think to me, um, I really don't know if there was cheating going on here or not. I don't even wanna make any assumptions because we don't have all the information and I think their investigation will know that. But if I were to kind of look at all of the all the possible ways to do this and if I had to design my own way to kind of figure out how to get data here, this would probably be the most likely situation, right? And it's what we saw at Postal where you have someone sitting in the back who's typing in the bets, typing in the stuff, and they can see the cards in real time. They're the only people who can see it. Um, and there are two, two big flaws there, right? Either that one person could be working with them. Uh, that's something we just can't figure out without knowing the team and knowing Hustler. But uh, the other side could be that even without them knowing, there's, there's a flaw in the system, right? Either that computer's footage after post-production, after showing the overlays, has been sent over the network, or either there's been a Trojan kind of installed in that system, and kind of what we saw with the whole uh, Bryn situation where people were talking about TeamViewer. Mm -hmm. uh, you can have a software like TeamViewer that's set up without anyone noticing that's sharing the screen and sharing every single card back to some other player, and all you need for that is either access directly to the computer or to just send a virus over uh, to be installed on that computer. So that would be a more likely way of kind of accessing that data. And there's no way just by doing investigations like this, we could kind of figure that out. You'd have to be there. And I think, I think Hustler's kind of doing the right steps now to bring on a cybersecurity team to figure that out. Yeah, I, I think that that's a, a pretty accurate depiction. Um, you know, basically what we want to try to get to is the point of making this system as trustless as possible, or at least having a lot of protection at the point of of trust, uh, ensuring that we have methods that we can then double check there after the fact to see if they've uh, been breached. Um, do you, from a software or hardware standpoint, do you see any easy solutions uh, to this sort of vulnerability? Yeah, and I don't want to kind of turn this into an advertisement or anything, but I think sure. that that's kind of what we've been focused on from, from day one in a way, right? Uh, and I think the biggest thing is the action tracker itself. Um, if you look at the system that we're building now, right? It, the, the, the way we solve this problem is by making everything integrated. You have the computer is mounted underneath the table that's wired directly to the RFID readers. Um, the cameras are directly connected to the computer as well. And the entire stream and all that data is collected on the computer locally and only sent out after the delay. Now, we can't really do that with the current manually tracked systems because you need someone to manually type in the bets. The best you can do is have it wired into another room and just hope that no one's kind of uh, bypassing that connection, right? And 
that that itself should be very secure but i think you kind of brought it up last time right and i'm, I'm happy andrew kind of went and removed that feature where you can go and remotely connect but you still have the ability as a commentator to remotely connect and there's a lot of other ways right through ndi cameras i saw someone's thread on twitter kind of bringing that up mm -hmm. where you can network, uh, connect to cameras over the network that's not really an issue but it does allow a path to go and connect to the computers right so, so i think that overall there's kind of a lot of issues with having a system where everything has separate moving parts and you're designing it for every single thing. Um, I think by having the entire system in one location, all wired and none of that data even available, like our next system what we're planning to do is actually make it so until the hand is over, it's actually disconnected from the Wi-Fi. And once the hand ends, it connects well through Ethernet, not through Wi-Fi, but it connects to the network, sends that data, sends the live stream footage, and then switches it off during the next hand. And it just does every hand, it just sends the data out. And that way you don't have to worry about any kind of these vulnerabilities. Yeah, my understanding is that uh, there are companies that are currently doing this. I think Poker Stars, and then uh, who are you working with uh, with Party Poker, Melissa? Sharehand. Sharehand, yeah. I believe that the way their systems are set up is uh, very similar where everything is then um, put together in the cloud. So the graphics don't actually appear until uh, you know a beat later and you're pulling it from cloud data at that point rather than uh, real time. Yeah, that's, that's definitely doable, but I think majority of card rooms that are kind of doing this today, um, they can't afford that kind of setup or that system, and it's way too much over. And that itself has a lot of security things you have to worry about, right? I think, like, with PokerGo hired, I think it's called Final Table. You can look at this up online. It's a whole company built to design this technology for PokerGo Studio, right? Yep. And they've been able to do that because they have a full dedicated engineering team to do that. I don't think... Yep. Places like Hustler or even the small majority of the smaller card rooms that I've seen running these streams don't have the ability to do that. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. So that's you know we bring up stars and we bring up Sharehand, but like these are uh, major, major, major companies that are building custom, right? And that's why we always spoke to the fact that like custom greater than out of the box because it, it can be really streamlined to your needs and uh, specifically when those needs are security that that can take a, a, a big onus. Um, I guess one last question with regard to uh, what you said using RFID chips and eliminating the action tracker. What exactly about the action tracker is vulnerable? Because my understanding was the action tracker, uh, so the person actually tracking the action gets no info. Um, they don't see cards, they just see who's been dealt in. And then they actually track the action via, uh, you know, discussing with the dealer, hearing the dealer talk, whatever. Um, and then that, that information sent out encrypted back to the server. Uh, so, so, so where's the breach? That's ideally how it should work. That's I don't think that's how it works right now because they actually show the cards to the action tracker to make sure that at the end of the hands the cards are read correctly. Um, that's why a lot of the times you'll see a card's not read, but then they'll add it in later after checking the integrity oh, to see. Uh, so I can correct card. that. I, I can correct you a little bit on that. That's actually not true. What happens is uh, if a card is red, it's blue, and if a card or okay. a player's hand is not red, it's just gray. So uh, what's happening? What's happening is two-way communication between the act the person doing the action tracking and the dealer. Uh, where they can say like, you know, player two's cards are not being read. Can you rub them over the whatever? But they actually never do get that info. Um, however, as I'm speaking out loud, I do understand why uh, you, you pointed this out. It's because what happened in Stones was the person tracking the action was in the same room as the server. So they could just see, right? Well, they didn't have to I, communicate I with that, the dealer. I know that GFA and I, I'm guessing Hustle or a lot of these places probably switched this off. But um, what I've seen in some card rooms use is... There's a feature where you can go and if, if the card's not read correctly, you can get a list that shows each antenna and what cards are being read. And you can go and see, okay, there seems to be a five of clubs near antenna seven. Let me go put that on seat seven. 
Um, so that is a possibility. I'm, I'm sure that there's a way to turn it off or put a passcode or something like that. I don't know yeah. the full inner workings of GFX. I just think that it's a bad, it's a bad way to handle that in general. Yeah, uh, yeah. I would have to to reconfirm that because, uh, to my knowledge, it, it's not that specific. It's just uh, that something's missing. But you could be correct in that you know he was trying to be helpful to the person tracking the action. Uh, yeah. Obviously, it's either way. I think the the overlays are also kind of in pawn. They're not. I don't know if the overlays are shown after the 15 minutes or they can see the overlays kind of showing up live. Um, Cause I know the X trackers also have the ability to hide and show the, the overlays if something's going wrong. So yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when you're saying the overlays, you mean like the V pip percentage, uh, the, the race first in that type of stuff. The, the cards as well. It's all one system. He's saying the, the graphics. Yeah. Oh, oh, the, the graphical graphics. overlay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I see. I see. Um, yeah. That, that usually is, the uh production team right so whoever's handling the the actual stream broadcast itself is pulling that from the server so uh this this is something uh slightly different but uh, also a point of vulnerability potentially if yeah. they're doing that in real time then that's another whole team that has real-time info right uh so even if nobody's in the secure uh in the server room if you have your production, because this is how we do it. We do no delay, obviously. Uh, so production gets everything real time. They're getting the information from the server in real time in graphical form. And if any one of them are breached, uh, obviously they could just communicate that to, to whoever. And, yeah. uh, and, and I an think the, the data from the table to the computer is the other side, right? Where that's always going to be happening in real time mm -hmm. in location. Um, and that's something that people have kind of missed out on possible scenario right where the information coming from those readers into the computer it's even if it's just showing if a card's there or not it's showing the actual values because there's no computer in the table yeah yeah that makes perfect sense uh two other things that i guess uh you could shine a little light on uh first being network vulnerabilities this is an area that uh you know I, i've kind of been beating my chest about uh or beating the drum on a little bit over the last few days where um i think it's incredibly critical that there are cyber teams in place to handle network securities and i think oftentimes in these stream houses either they don't exist at all because the the room is very small or it's a scenario like hustler where they're just entrusting that to the casino to oversee uh can you talk a little bit about uh the network's involvement and why the vulnerabilities are a problem yeah here, here are my kind of thoughts on that right there's one side of it is that if you were to cheat you would need a lot of experts to kind of come and take advantage of the network so that ends up being one of the hardest things to to attack, but that is also one of the hardest things for card rooms to to make sure they're getting right, right? Because um, that's the one thing that GFX has no control of, no no systems like that right now. Where you're using, do you have full control of the network unless you're building it for that specific room? Um, I'll kind of give you an example where if you walk into a card room, some places will use the action tracking system on the same internet line, same routers as their as the rest of the room. Some places will have a separate internet line. Some places will just have separate routers and modems, but they're used as a gateway. There's just a million different factors that could be taking place, and each of these nodes in the system ends up being a vulnerability. Um, and, if, and if I were someone who or someone is trying to come and take advantage of that, you can easily access the packets and the data uh, that are being routed either from the table to the production computer or from the production computer to the delayed computer mm -hmm. or even from that to the stream. They're just a million different situations where this could be happening. Um, and on top of that, if you add... I think GFX has the ability to show um, and control from a tablet. I know a lot of card rooms do that. Um, a lot of the poker tours where they come and make traveling live streaming setups end up doing that, where you have a tablet which is wirelessly connected and you can 
go and mark things. Obviously, you can't see the cards directly in there, but if data is being passed through there, there's always the possibility that there is a way to access that data on route to that in real time. Yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, I do want to be clear that some of this uh, would require a pretty high level of sophistication uh, on the cheating side of things, and that's what's allowing us to uh, to basically feel pretty comfortable operating as as is. But we have to also acknowledge as a community that the more that we incentivize this cheating, because there's more at risk, and having perfect information is just worth so fucking much. Uh, the more we need to be critical from the security side and not just. Uh, do simple things that that kind of pass the optics test of, of getting better, uh, and I guess that's the 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 one of the final things that I, I kind of want to end on. Um, uh, I'll lead in with this, uh, but I really want to get your your thoughts on like what protocols streamhouses can put into place moving forward. But prior to that, can you give me your thoughts on wands and metal detectors as far as uh, security measures go? I think it's funny your kind of response to that, and especially the Garrett written across the ones. Sure. But um, I mean, it, it obviously it, it can kind of help ensure that there's no metallic devices or RFID enabled devices on themselves. But then again, like kind of going to your last point, right? I don't think I don't think it's any easier to build a water bottle that uh, can read the cards than it is to just write a Trojan horse that's installed on the computer in the back room, right? Or mm. some way to kind of connect to the uh, network in between now obviously i don't know how hustle works but i would just go to a smaller card room that isn't worrying about any of this stuff uh and go through that rather than building a water ball and doing this whole sophisticated scenario so yeah the, the wands are just i think more of a public thing than a publicity thing than a actual security measure but uh, honestly any, any steps to go in the right direction helps yeah, I, I, I'm a little bit less forgiving. Uh, I think that these, uh, I worry when I see these public acts taking place because it distracts us from the things that really need to be changed, which is a lot of the backend security, all of the vulnerable points that we were talking about along the way with the network, with the server itself. Uh, you know, there, there are many, 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 many points of vulnerability throughout these systems as they're created. And as we spoke, most people who start stream houses aren't aware of them. They kind of just assume it's an out-of-the-box solution that's already secure and they only look at it at a surface level. So I get nervous when I see nonsense like wanding and uh, and also I just know how this works. Like you you get lax with it, right? So you're going to wand me on my way in. I'm going to go take a piss and not get wanded on the way back or, or something of that nature. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's a lot of theatrics in my opinion. It doesn't really prevent anything. If all the person really needs is to be signaled, and everything else is happening on the back end or through uh, a third party who's able to get real information and then signal you, you can certainly find non, non-metallic things that will do that, bone conducting headphones or uh, microchipped headphones, whatever. There are plenty of things that, that can surpass this system, uh, and it, it just seems like a lot of nonsense to me. Um, so let, let's let you leave on this. Uh, from your opinion, as somebody who is working and creating these systems, uh, who's heavily invested in the success of these streaming card rooms, uh, and a poker advocate yourself, what, from a secure standpoint, uh, specifically on the back end, what protocols can be implemented for stream houses to become safer? And then what protocols, in your opinion, uh, from an IT standpoint, can be implemented to handle any scenarios like this where there may be a breach in place? Yeah, I think... For the card room specifically, I think that it should be, at, at this point, if you have already invested in one of these systems, I think it's your duty to kind of go back and talk to the manufacturers, the creators of the cards, the the people who set up your network, people who set up the table, 
and kind of figure out every single aspect of how it works, right? Where are the leaks and kind of ask them all the right questions. Um, I think it's, I think a lot of, um, of these manufacturers are going to start changing their process and start talking to these card rooms. And I think there should be a protocol on, hey, what uh, standard are you using for your network? Are you using any wireless networks? Is there any place from the AT&T line all the way to the, the cards where there's a wireless network being taken place, right? Uh, I think that's the first step. And I think that's just something simple that everyone can do. Um, the reason why I kind of first wrote out the article and put it out there was because I think that players should also be made aware of this because the players should go back. And if you regularly play on one of these live streams, you should be asking the production team to look into this and make sure that they're doing their, their, their duty to figure that out. On the IT side and the computers uh, and the system side, I, I think obviously I'm kind of biased because we have our own system, but I'm always going to push for having an integrated system. I've probably said the word a hundred times during this whole thing, but yeah. I think that it's very, very hard to build um, a system without vulnerabilities if you don't own it from the card all the way to the software, all the way to the stream. Um, if you have full control of all these parts and you put that in the hands of the company building it and not in the hands of the card room, it ends up being easier for the players, easier for the card rooms to trust. And I think that pushes the game forward because people won't be going around thinking, hey, could it be this? Could it be this? If a situation like this happened, um, they would immediately go to the company that created it and said, where are all the security flaws and how could this be possible? And how can you update all of your tables, not just one or two setups? Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's very critical. Um, yeah. And I guess it's not very fair for me to ask you like what they should do if a, a potential threat occurs as far as like shutting down the stream and things of that nature. That's a lot more on the, the production side of things and uh, maybe a question for somebody like Maury. But uh, really appreciate your insight on all of this. Uh, you know, if you guys haven't already, go ahead and read uh, Manit's article today. Um, I think that he does a great job of summarizing all of uh, th these issues that we face and why it's important that we pay attention to it while we are. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate you so much. Uh, where can people find you on social? Yeah, you can just see on Twitter, ManitM30, or uh, look up RF Labs, RF Poker. Um, but yeah, thank you guys. I think it's great. The work you guys and Joe Ingram, everyone's kind of doing in the community to kind of go and investigate and do your own diligence. Um, I think it's important. And with all the RFID information you have now, we're we're actually hiring. So we have a job for you, Berkey, if you're ever looking for one. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> man. There was somebody I... in chat who said that they wanted to work with you. So maybe they'll hit you up. Yeah, you might have to awesome. you, you might have to yeah. go back through and uh, scroll. You 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 uh you have employees here. Yeah, no, really appreciate the work that you're doing. Uh I, I actually I'll not I, not that I want to work for you, but I will talk to you on the side. He uh does. I have some ideas that I'd like to kick around. I've kind of spoken with Andrew as, as well. Um, I think that there's, there's meat on the bone and there's a need to be filled uh, that I think both of your expertise could, could come in handy. Um, on that note, though, uh, we're going to let you go. Thank you so much, guys. If you haven't already, uh, give Manit a follow. Uh, check out RF Labs. Uh, that's his new software uh, and hardware that he's launching as far as uh, Poker RFID goes. Uh, we appreciate you so much. Thank you, Thank you, man. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Yeah. Thanks. See you later. That was good. I would yeah. trust him with yeah. my, to watch my kids. <laughs> Your kids. Yes. Uh, yeah. Are those the rats in the freezer? No, it's the snake and the dog. Uh. That is very interesting um, how he said that, like, the computer, everything is just right there on the, at the table. Mm -hmm. And then it just, like, that information doesn't get sent anywhere else. It right. essentially goes up to the cloud and then, and then out. So... That would be uh, that would definitely solve a lot of problems for sure. Yeah, turning, Go ahead, turning it off until after the hand is pretty cool. 
Say what? Turning it off. Until yeah, after yeah, yeah. Right, the upgrade right. that he said mm-hmm. they're working on. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that does offer, a t- that actually is a layer of protection that's really, uh, it's so sharp. Yeah, it's next level. It's, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's a real-time 30-second delay, maybe, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, you're running the stream on a delay anyway. Yeah. So you don't give a shit. No, right. The only, actually, no, I don't even know that that's true. I was going to say the only issue that you might have is that with production, they may struggle to know what cameras to be on. Um, but so long as there's still just something highlighting where the action is, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think that like from a production standpoint, like no issues at all. And that's yeah. a, that's a pretty sharp fix. Yeah. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, I hope that helped clarify a lot of the things that I've been speaking on. I know that I don't always get my point across in the best way, but I think, uh, man, it is, uh, very versed in what he's talking about. He's an actual developer of the software and hardware, whereas I'm just kind of translating the things that i've learned and been told throughout the years uh utilizing this type of stuff so um yeah i i I wanted to just basically kind of bring us full circle as far as like what the leading uh thoughts of uh innocence or guilt are whenever it comes to this current scandal that we're, we're we're dealing with and you know I think from the the she's innocent side, obviously the the one that makes the most sense is that she just misread her hand. I think we've all kind of accepted that uh, if this hand were just true, then she almost certainly had to believe she had Jack three. Like it's really difficult to believe she had Jack four. Um, but if she were cheating, I think the leading uh, thoughts there are that it's either an inside job where somebody was feeding her perfect information through some sort of signaling device, or uh, you know, just that she may have only cheated this exact hand and that, you know, potentially her relationship with Rip uh, was one where there was collusion taking place or, or something of that nature. But I do think a lot of the high tech uh, ideas of how she was potentially cheating the system are very, very low probability, extremely low probability. Um, and I think that they create more noise than, than signal. Yeah. And that becomes a problem because then we start rabbit holing down the, the what ifs and the hows, uh, where it becomes very conspiratorial. Mm-hmm. Yes, which is difficult to prove. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it has us looking for smoking guns that yeah. are unlikely to exist. Um, and also, I, I a lot think of brain power is wasted. It, yeah, it detracts yeah. from the bigger point. That's how mm-hmm. I feel because I'm like, I'm not even, you know, and I like looking into stuff, but. For this, I just feel like there's just not enough information out there. So I'm not going to waste my mental energy like spinning wheels when it's not going to lead to any conclusive My fucking wheels answer. are spinning. <laughs> I know it's not going to lead to any fucking it seems conclusive like a waste. answer. Conrad has like wasted waste way too much brain power. I know it's not going to lead to any it's fucking conclusive answer. It's literally just like some, some weird masturbation that's Wait, like pro- procrastinating. This sounds way too logical from you. Uh... Haven't you presented rude? rude. First of all. <laughs> well, not that you're not Second a of all. well. Listen, not that you're not a logical person, but that you're a person who likes conspiracy theories. Haven't we had this talk? Um, yeah, but it's more so that like I get annoyed when I see like a lot of heated debates happening based on very limited information when like it's not going to lead to anywhere. Right. So like when you go down the conspiracy theory yeah, rabbit I'm hole, not you watch a doc. Right. You're not watching Twitter. And I'm like, hmm, that could be interesting. But instead, I'm seeing people go back and forth and then just dig deeper into their sides when no one really knows. Oh, yeah. So so it's just here, like, what are we doing here? You guys are arguing for sport. Here, here's why you're not sucked in yet. You're, you're still on Twitter. That was last week. You got to get on Reddit. 
<laughs> I've been on Reddit. Reddit has really honed in uh, on each conspiracy. The, I just the more I read, the more sillier this all seems. Well, you got to pick one. You got you got to pick a conspiracy that you really want to go down the rabbit hole on, and you'll find a thread that will take you to the depths None of, of hell. That, you know, and I get grabbed by conspiracies. I thought I like, I thought there was possibility Astro World was a demonic right. presentation. Yes, absolutely. But I. <laughs> Like I'm this sorry. one is just not grabbing me. I just KL. find it. Fucking KL. <laughs> Hold on. You, oh, you got. You just saw that now. What happened in the chat? KL said. Oh. Uh, for Wait, those of you guys who don't know, KL Highlands uh, High Hands eighty nine Cleeton is uh, you know wheelchair. Oh. Will, he's wheelchair bound. He said at Conrad Simpson's wheel spinning question mark. Join the club. <laughs> Did you guys see his tweet earlier today? Yeah, it was incredible. I, oh, it was man. fucking great. He said, it was Joe Ingram. It said, yeah, it said, uh, where do we stand? He goes, well, I guess Ingram's canceled. <laughs> and then, like, underlined stand. I'm I was dead. dying. I yeah. was absolutely dying. Self-deprecation. It's, oh, it's really the best humor out it there. Is. Can, really please well. please continue, Melissa. Conrad rudely interrupted. Uh, I don't really know what else I was going to hey, say. I mean, how, what, where can you go from there? Whatever. <laughs> Sorry. God damn it. <laughs> like, he said fucking wheels spin and join the club. What do you want me to do? I can't, I just can't help myself. I'm crying. I'm literally in fucking tears. Oh, Connie. Uh, Connie, Connie, Connie. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think like where we're at now, uh, Melissa's point is very valid in the sense that a lot of the conversation taking place is um, the masses just picking a side and shouting. Uh, I do think that there are some well-intended people that are on both sides of the fence that have uh, amplified platforms and kind of speaking uh, just to probabilistic thinking, right? Like less so to... Uh, yeah, but even then, the, those are smart people. Go use your energy somewhere else where you can actually get something done. Well, it is important <laughs> if we could get to the root of this. I don't think you're going to get to the root of it unless more information comes out. That's the but thing. But this is how more information comes out. That's the point. Right, if we just leave it alone, no, nothing else. No, people have been sleuthing the internet all over the place, and they're just spinning their wheels. <laughs> so you've conclusively decided there's no more information to gain. As of right now, I feel like we would have seen if there's something else to to see. Oh, I don't know about that, man. Yeah, like, I, do things like this. You have to compile things. Like it's gonna. It's I don't know. Compile what? Like just actions and like. I mean, a lot of the, the thing is, is like if something. If something did occur, uh, you know, oftentimes people get sussed out, people get smoked out. And don't get me wrong, like this might just occur from or might come to conclusion from Hustler's investigation. Like they might just be doing all the heavy lifting on that. Um, but I, I don't think it's like completely out of the realm I'm of possibility. I'm not saying that, that she didn't cheat or did cheat. No, I'm just I understand saying that. I think it's a waste of time. Like the, there's so much time and energy that has gone into like spinning wheels and this and it's like nothing is able to be concluded because there's not enough information it's, it has to be like oh i found this new piece of information not like oh well based on this what if and then it just gets further and further into like conspiracy land yeah yeah i mean i, I think jamin made a, a good point in chat he said the work right now is mainly to get to conclusion adjacent uh and i think largely that's because we're looking at an isolated incident like we're trying to explain or uh, come to a conclusion based off of right it's not gonna it's not one. enough <laughs> yeah I, i'm not ready to say anything that definitive uh you know I, I think that if uh i i think if there are like past experiences with uh the characters at play 
that's what I'm saying. That would be different if something more came out. But like when I just see people arguing over the same information that we've had for days, that's like right. No, but no you're conclusions you're, been able to be, come from it. Then people are just you know doing this tribalism thing where they're in yeah, camps of, of fighting course. against each no, other. No, that for sure is just a waste of time. That for sure, one hundred percent is happening. It is one hundred percent a waste of time. But uh, you're also pretty limited in your scope. Like there's a lot that's coming out elsewhere uh about like the potential ties that these two have and uh you know why a lot of the inconsistencies in the speech that's out there uh makes logical sense to be inconsistent or congruent to a lie um you know basically like their backgrounds are, are not necessarily as stated and things like that. and that again doesn't lead to guilt it just leads to um you know fraudulence and uh, a lot of inconsistencies in the things that we're supposed to believe to be truths yeah, but I, I'm sure you could say that about a lot of people that play on that show. Yeah, probably so true. So it sort of like doesn't mean anything. That's what I'm, I'm just like, nothing has convinced me. That's it. I mean, it's not like I'm I'm not the be all end all. I'm just, sure. that's where I'm at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with, with most of that. Um, wrapping up today's show, uh, I do want to give attention again to the uh, Susie Zhao coverage. Uh, so again, writer Jen on Twitter uh, Jennifer Newell is is covering the story very closely today. Wrapped early, um, getting into the the logistics of what took place. Uh, apparently, there's a Zoom uh, webinar, I guess, that will allow you to watch watch the trial. Yeah, the trial. She, she posted it, I believe. She tweeted it. The, the link. To yeah, it. yeah. She tweeted. So they're done for the day, uh, and they reconvene Friday. But uh, for anybody who wants to follow this more closely, uh, you can, I, I think, watch that link. Uh, and pay a lot closer attention. There's a lot of, I imagine, imagery and uh, video evidence that we can't show, uh, or it's at least not being leaked to the public. Um, so first update uh, she put out was trial day three lunch update. Mr. and Mrs. Patel, owners of the Sherwood Motel, testified that the defendant rented the room uh, at, oh, sorry, rented room seven at 9.26 p.m. on July 12th, 2020. Mrs. Patel did... Uh, did it, but Mr. Patel wouldn't have because defendant was on the do not rent list because he previously previously left uh, trash in rooms. Uh, so she was unaware of that, apparently. Um, the defense tried to object to the defendant's trash. Uh, how much was it? How many trips to the dumpster? Did he destroy things? Uh, and asked, do you rent by the hour? Uh, the prosecutor objected to relevancy. Defense shut up. Um, the Audi expert testified that the car uh, on the home cam near the park entrance was the make model of the defendant's car. The defense questioned his ability to recognize the car. It didn't work. Uh, Brienne Wyrick testified to her and her fiance calling the defendant uh, for 1.45 a.m. ride on July 13th. Took him 45 minutes to arrive. Went to gas station to get ATM cash. Paid defendant for the ride after he took them home. Uh, the defense went hard on her, questioning her memory because she had a substance abuse problem at the time, implied she needs money to buy drugs, tried to ask if she was on crack, but prosecutor objected. Defense admitted he was trying to discredit her. Uh, finally, uh, the FBI special agent, George uh, Runerth, begins explaining cell phone analysis, uh, his specialty, that he used the defendant's phone, uh, Susie's two phones, and Susie's Gmail account. Uh, to explain this evidence. So it looks like they got a lot more into the nitty-gritty today. Um, just looking a little bit further for the end-of-day updates. Uh, 
sounds like they're trying to put a timeline together of where the defendant was yeah um leading up to the incident yeah uh, and it seems as though day three ended abruptly uh the attorneys were asked to approach the bench the jury was dismissed um uh <laughs> she confirmed that the break continued uh and then she put a timeline up herself uh so uh another piece of information this is pretty key between july 2nd and july 29th there were 382 searches and 1915 web address vis- web addresses visited for the most vile brutality upon women uh including asian kidnap force slave crying extreme brutal and others i won't type so uh apparently they got the the browser history as as we were talking about right. from the fbi and uh he was just very honed in on uh, gathering information for the brutal act that did ultimately occur so this does seem like it was um or at least it's coming together that this was uh, premeditated no real shock there um still unclear of the relationship between he and Susie and why it was exactly her uh as you know those terms are specific but they're still generic in nature um she just fit a profile it appears uh, i'm wondering if there are any ties between poker and this guy uh gambling uh or if there was something else going on behind the scenes that we were unaware of that would link the two of them together i'm sure this will come out throughout the days but uh again i want to stay on top of this i don't mm-hmm. want people to forget uh the brutal things that happened to Susie Zhao. She was one of our community or one of the members of our community. I think it's very important for us to, um, you know, see her get her justice Absolutely. and remind everybody uh, of, of the despicable act that occurred. Uh, so I hate to end the show on a downer. I know. Yeah. We, we got to structure it a little different. <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like if I bring it in any sooner, <laughs> no, I know it's, I know. it's just a real buzzkill. Um, I know. mean, hopefully the, the, the end result is that we do get justice. Uh, for Susie, yep. so that's that's the bright spot that, that that we're leading towards. Right, right. Uh, I do want to give another shout out to Faded Spade, our sponsor of the week. Um, reminder that code only friends gives you fifteen percent off their new three playing cards at FadedSpade.com. See our YouTube show description. Uh, see our YouTube show description for direct links. Also, a quick reminder that we do have an academy coming up in February, February second to the fifth. That's a Poker Out Loud style academy. Uh, for anybody who is interested in playing in a live venue similar to the Poker Out Loud games that you see on Solve4Y TV, uh, join the Academy. You can head to academy.solve4y.io to get more information or sign up today. It's Groundhog Day. Not <laughs> today. It? Not today, the the day of the Academy. <laughs> uh Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you, uh, Monit, for joining us and giving us an expert uh, detail analysis of RFID technology and how these systems work. We appreciate you guys as always. I'm out tomorrow and Friday. Good luck. Melissa and Christian will be leading the way. Tortoise and Conrad always here. on the. If Shin doesn't show up, there's going to be a punishment. Oh. I haven't decided what yet. Okay. Show up. Punishment yeah, pending. Uh, can we just get a quick close-up on Conrad? What, what? The rabbi? <laughs> Look at him. He is so focused and intent on whatever it is that he's looking at. He's, in, he's on Reddit. He's, on, sure. he's, he's on, on Reddit and he's, he's wearing... He's a rabbit okay, hole right now. He's on Reddit and he's <laughs> wearing Reddit. a fedora. <laughs> <laughs>
He's wearing a fedora and he's on Reddit. This yeah. is a new. I'm wearing a bucket hat and I'm not wearing a fedora. It looks like a fedora. I, I, I mean, like. Because you put the brim up. I see. Yeah. <laughs> at, at this point, like, he doesn't even have a neck he's so, like, zoned in on whatever the fuck it is he's looking at. Like, I'm. He's deep. I got he a conspiracy, man. I got a conspiracy. I'm not sharing it at the moment, but I got a conspiracy. Oh he's going on the show out for tomorrow. That's right. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. looking. Right. <laughs> uh, who would have thought that I would turn into the conspiracy debunker? Of yeah. course. It's hey, really we need a shocking tournament. <laughs> oh, I don't know, I don't know what thing. has happened here. We have Berkey up till 4 a.m. looking at this woman's hip and zooming well, in and, and arguing, <laughs> debating with Chin about it. With, meanwhile, it's 7 a.m. where Chin is. And then, you know, I'm here debunking conspiracy theories. The whole world is upside down. Here's the thing I just wake up, I call. I, say the 10 conspiracy <laughs> theories and I debunk them all within fucking seconds and then I start again. Right. <laughs> it's like the most absurd thing, but I am in on one right now. I just can't, gotta find more information. Okay. All right. Well, hey, you do God's work out I'll there. Out uh, start to compile show notes for tomorrow so that, you know, we can have a nice ease run of show while I'm away. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, Conrad. I will be tuning in. God help us I'll all. tell you that right now. Uh, thank you guys so much. We'll be back tomorrow, 1 p.m. Pacific. As always, we're out. Peace. Later.